Hey everybody, it's Jim Shelby. I'm really excited to give you kind of a bonus episode of the Jim and Larry Show. This is the full, unedited interview with Melbourne's own Michelle Shepard. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, can you guys hear me now? I messed up the audio when we first came on. Now I can hear you. Yes. Awesome. Well, welcome. I'm excited to be here. My name is Jim Shelby. I'm here with Larry Cohn and Michelle Shepard. For those of you that don't know Larry, just kidding, Larry. Everybody knows Larry. Uh, we have an opportunity today to sit down and talk with Michelle Shepard, who's been a lifelong friend of mine. And Michelle, I don't want to steal any of your thunder. So do you want to share a little bit about your story, who you are? Um, I don't know how in-depth you want to go into it, who you were, who you are, all those good things. Jeez, how long do you have? Um, yeah, God, we, we are lifelong. Like, we were in Boy Scouts together, or Cub Scouts, I'm sorry. Yes, I never made it to Boy Scouts. I think you No, made. neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, uh, from St. Louis, Missouri, myself, uh, came here to uh, Melbourne, Australia, uh, far out, like almost 20 years ago. And uh, eight years ago, I came out as transgender. And I- Has it been eight years? Eight years now. Wow. I know. Okay, carry on. Yep. And um, after I came out, I actually struggled to find work. Um, I had about 20 years uh, in uh, IT, working for companies like um, IBM, Deloitte, um, Lenovo, uh, working in data centers across Australia, wiring up petrol pumps for companies like Shell of Australia, um, all kinds of things. I put my hands on lots of different things when it came to computers. But as soon as I came out, I actually found barriers and challenges when trying to find work. And so I was told that my skills were no longer valid, that being transgender was actually uh, a, not a cultural fit in any of the organizations I was trying to work in, and that I need to either stop transitioning or uh, go back and uh, <clears throat> go back and just finish it and, and whatever. Uh, whatever you need to do, whether it's stock shelves to look after you and your daughters or scrub toilets, that's what you need to do. So mind you, before I did all that, I was in a very good healthy paycheck, looking after my family, all that stuff. Living that 2.5 picket fence life, you know, very stereotypical middle-class dad. Um, uh, after, you know, and after my marriage had fallen apart, this is where I went from there. Uh, so what happened was is I had hit... What happened was, <laughs> so I uh, went and did a lot of work getting out there, meeting new people, re-networking, uh, started my own business, doing a lot of public speaking, doing a lot of training within organizations, training on things around LGBT and helping people understand um, what it is that uh, it is to be transgender. So the difference between sexual diverse and gender diverse and that I'm not a gay man, never was a gay man. And I actually, this is just my identity of who I am. And since then, I've been a small business award winner, running businesses, focusing on pathways for employment, um, working with many big companies, like some of the big banks down here, companies like BMW, working on you know stuff on television, radio, hosting my own radio shows here in Australia. So not bad for a kid from the uh, Midwest, eh? <laughs> no, not at all. 
So what I wanted to talk with you about, and for those of you that want um, to know more about Michelle's story and her journey, we have an interview that we did with her five years ago now. Oh my goodness, five years ago it's been. It was 2016, so towards the end wow. of the year. Uh, yeah. It's like October, November of 2016. So we can download that uh, interview clip and share it with all of you. But So but her anybody, journey is amazing. Go ahead. But anybody who's known me, who knows us from growing up, obviously Danny Beaver uh, going to Melville and, and all that as well. So now it's Michelle Shepard. So... <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was really weird when I went online. I'm like, who's Danny Shepard? And I'm like, wait a minute, who's Michelle Shepard? You know, like as you change and evolve. Yeah. But today I really want to tackle, and I wanted you to give a little bit about your accolades and what you've done. You've won several awards for your work in the space. Yeah. And, you know, I, for one, and I'll just go on record as saying I'm really proud to know you and to watch your journey okay. along these eight years. But what I want to do today is I want to tackle some issues that are hot topics here mm -hmm. in the U.S. and just get your take on them as an outside perspective looking in, strong roots yeah. in America, obviously, but a real yeah. part of the Australian culture, approaching nearly half of your life uh, spent in Australia and, and how you view the things here. So the first thing, and I want to just get right into it. Um, what Jim never mentions words, does he, Larry? I, no. I try not to. I try not to. But so one of the big controversies that I keep hearing about, and I hear about it specifically from female athletes, is that the trans athletes have an unfair, I can't get my camera right, have an unfair advantage. Trans women specifically have an unfair advantage. And I don't think the argument goes the other way, that trans men have an unfair advantage yeah. against men. I've never heard that argument, but yeah. I have heard it. And there's a couple examples to back that up. And I, I apologize, I'm not as well researched on this, but I like to go yeah. into these topics with an open mind and perspective. And sometimes when I'm over-researched, I've already formed an opinion. Yep. So I do know there are two athletes, I believe in the state of uh, uh, Connecticut, that have now broken over 35 previously held female records in two years in sports. Okay. Um, and these are specifically in track and field style events, but they've literally captured and taken every single award that every single title that was previously held by, um, wow, help me with the right word without being <laughs> offensive. Is it traditional right. women? Okay, so the, the appropriate term here is called cis, C-I-S. And cis is the appropriate term, so cisgender. So if you identify as the gender you were assigned at birth, then you're cisgender, and it's Latin for same as, where I identify uh, as transgender, which I transitioned from being assigned male at birth, and I identify as female uh, now. So cisgender athletes who were uh, female, um, now, when it comes to those records, I'm not aware of those, to be honest. I have actually I haven't even heard of this. Um, uh, one of the things that people don't understand is testosterone is actually the thing that helps you recover, okay? And so I actually have like 0 0.01 nanomilliliters or whatever of testosterone in my system. So I have like no testosterone at all in my system at, at all, where most cisgender women have more testosterone than we do. 
Um, if anything, I've actually lost a lot of upper body strength. I've lost a lot of um, uh, my, my body fat has shifted. So I'm actually a lot slower and more of a brick wall than I am probably anything when it comes to anything athletic. Now, if there was somebody who was probably an athlete beforehand, who was maybe in the Olympics and stuff like that, I'm not 100% sure, but it's the, but they're, if they go to compete, they have to do two years of um, uh, testing and hormone therapy before they're allowed to even compete. Um, the flesh between your legs isn't actually anything, it's just flesh. Um, testosterone within trans men, they actually are uh, up to the same levels that men should be within our cisgender men within sports, but they don't see them as a, like a threat or aggressive because they're smaller and more petite uh, trans men. Where I come in as a six foot three trans woman, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Like they they freak out, especially in sports down here, like you know AFL footy, uh, the Australian rules football. Um, look, there's, there's still a lot of studies being done. There's still a lot of work being done there. So I'm not an expert on that fully. Um, now when it comes to the youth, when the youth go through this transition period, um, the youth don't have any of that. So when they're starting out at a younger age, their bodies are actually developing at the same time as their cis counterparts. So there's no difference in like bone density. There's no difference in testosterone or estrogen. It's managed the same. Um, so that's the best answer I can really give. So like right now, like my upper body strength, my, my ability to run, you know, estrogen is actually maybe put on weight. Um, Jim, you've seen a photo, which you told me to take down, you know, it's a lot harder to manage now. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's a lot of, a, a lot of still studies being done with a lot of that. Gotcha. So can you just concede though, that there's some inherent advantages that trans women may have in particular sports. For example, in basketball, it's fairly obvious that height can be an advantage. And yeah, a trans a lot of women, women, but a lot of women who cis women who'd go to play basketball or netball or anything similar would be of a similar height to myself, six foot, six foot three. They come in there as well. Um, but if anything, they have more testosterone to recover from those sports as well than I would. Um, if anything, I don't have that recovery. And when there's talks of things like, well, you just stop taking your hormones and you'll up your testosterone. That is the worst feeling in the world when your hormone levels are completely off. It's like having the flu and you're even worse than what you were before. Um, when it comes to advantages, the only advantage I probably would have is if I was playing, say, for example, down here with AFL football, uh, most of the AFLW uh, women, which is the, the women's version, um, most of those women are within the mid to lower five foot range. And so me coming at six foot three, there could be potential of, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, hurting somebody because of my size. But at the same time, I'm more like a brick wall. I can't move as fast. I can maybe pivot, maybe catch a ball, but running to, to smack into somebody, no. Um, the Probably the only, again, my height and my size is probably about it. Um, but when it comes to things like testosterone, no. Gotcha, and for those people that might be listening that don't understand the physiology 
you know, men and women have both estrogen and testosterone. Each yep. gender naturally has a blend of both. With females, the estrogen's higher, and with males, the testosterone is higher, but there's still a balance that occurs. So if you don't understand what Michelle is talking about, there is um, the science backs up what she's saying. Now, um, but even, though, even though I haven't had lower surgery, so I still haven't had lower surgery, I've had to have top surgery, but not lower. Um, even though like the testes are, will produce testosterone, I'm on blockers that stop that from happening. So I've lowered my testosterone to a point where I'm lower than the average cisgender woman. So even though that, that flesh is still there and those gonads are still there, removing the gonads are even no different than if a woman was to have, say, her ovaries removed. Um, you know, there's issues there medically. And so I'm being very careful not to do too much of that. But we focus too much on the actual flesh itself and not actually on what is running my body. So I'm running on pure estrogen, nothing to do with testosterone. Hey, Michelle, you had mentioned something earlier about the difference or about your evolution. Larry, can you back man. up a little bit? We lost part of that. Can you, can you can back you, up just a little bit and start over on that sentence? Okay. You had mentioned something earlier today about the difference between your evolution from a gay man to transgender. And my question I is, yep, like when, when you were younger, did you think you were gay or did you know that you were really a woman in a man's body? And then my second part to that question is there's more and more younger people today that are wanting to change sex, like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like, how do you feel about parents doing it? And do you think that kids could be confused and thinking, you know, I want to be this different sex, but in, but I'm really gay. It's not that. Could you right. share what insight so, you have? So there's a really big difference between. Let's clarify first. She was never a gay man. She never, never was a gay she was man. Gay. Now I was. I I did identify as bisexual. Right. So ever since I was young, I mm -hmm. did identify that way. And um, sorry, I'm just having flashbacks to my youth. Um, so I did identify as bisexual. I always identified as well as female since I was really young, um, but there was no language for it. So when Jim and I were young playing in the schoolyard, there was no language around transgender. You know, we were taught to either catch the football or be beaten with the football. You know, it was be a man. You know, if you want to be a girl, well, fuck, I'll put you in a dress and I'll, and I'll treat you like one and, and you can just do the dishes, you know, that sort of stuff. That was the kind of crap that we grew mm -hmm. up with. Now, I struggled with it because I saw the stereotypes of what it was to be transgender. So what I saw was sex work, drugs. Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, Psycho, um, RuPaul's on VH1. There was no RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I've never been a drag queen. That, that's a totally different kettle of fish. Um, being gay and being, uh, th being gay, okay, first off, is sexually diverse. So who you're attracted to is being sexually diverse. Whether you're attracted to man, woman, in between, trans, whatever, that's who you're attracted to genders who you're going to bed as so i identify as 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 female so 
growing up, I saw those stereotypes and I'd seen how what I assumed was gay community being treated, which is why I never came out. I mean, let's be honest. If I had, if I had come out saying I was a girl in the schoolyard, Jim would have kicked my ass. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest. <laughs> you know, like it's the truth. And, um, and that's the way it was. Can I can I stop on that for just a second? Yeah. So one of the things that we talked about, we did a show uh, called Our Take um, a little over a week ago. And one of the things that we talked about was the erasing of history. And I just want to make a point that kind of backs up what we were just talking about here and that I don't want that erased. Is that the reality of how it was, Michelle? Absolutely. That was just the way it was. But I think if you go back and you erase that, we're likely to repeat it. So it's so important that we remember those things so we know what not to do. History isn't always an example of what to do. Yeah. It's oftentimes a reminder of what not to do and how far we've come. And I think all of those things, good or bad, should be celebrated. Great. Like we can celebrate the bullying in the schoolyard mm. as great because it doesn't happen to the same level. Is it perfect? No. No. But like we got to remember where we were and how far exactly. we've come. And that's a controversial subject here. Like in America, there's a lot of erasing of things. They want to get rid of all the Robert E. Lee statues. And to me, that just disrespects those in the union that died to make sure that slavery was abolished and all those things, whole different topic. But like remembering how far we've come, I think you're a champion for that because you remind us of what it was and you don't let us forget that there was a time where, you know, people would get stuffed in the lockers and thrown in the dumpster and you know, like I remember those things happening to people, right? I remember. I, I know what you're talking about. And that was not a flippant or an un uh, no. an answer without knowledge. I remember yeah. what you went through. So, but but I, but anyway, up, carry like, on. Who I am today, Jim, is actually you're part of that. You know how I've grown and how how I've become Michelle is you're part of that, and so. Um, I did my best to hide from that because of that homophobia that we had at that time, because being transgender, you, there was the stories of you, you transitioned because you wanted to be with a man. And when you went to see the psychologist or psychiatrist or whoever you want to see, one of the thing was in the nineties and eighties, you had to be gay and you had to be attracted to men in order to go and transition. And I'm going, yeah, but I'm still attracted to women. I don't quite understand. So, I went through this journey of trying to understand and break down the stereotypes for myself. Now, I do a lot of work with parents of transgender kids or gender diverse kids or non-binary kids. And, you know, thinking back to when I was a kid, I was playing up and playing role playing as the gender that I identified with, but I didn't know how to channel it. So I had to hide it. And I de- and so I had depression. Um, quite often in school, I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd I'd withdraw. My grades were low. I just didn't perform very well. And I and you know what friends I did have, I struggled with making friends. So I um, work with these parents as a bit of a mentor, which is why I'm called Mama Mish down here in Australia. And I sat down with kids who are 
you know, seven and 10 and 11 and 14. And they're telling me the same feelings they had, that dysphoria, that discomfort, that sadness. And when these kids are going through this, this thing, they're not doing hormones. They're not doing surgery and they're not doing anything like that. Okay. When they're young, they're living socially that way. Okay. Um, now you have to understand even as kids and even as adults, we don't even want to be in the toilets. We want to get in and get out. We couldn't care less what you're doing in there. We just, we don't even want to be in there. So we just want to, we don't want to be othered. We don't want to be sent somewhere else. We just want to be just, can we just do our thing, get in and get out. Now the kids, these kids at a young age, then they're working with a psychologist and a psychiatrist and whatever they're doing. They're working with their general practitioner. They're having their bloods checked regularly. They're talking to their parents. They're talking to the doctors. They're talking, and, and this is an ongoing conversation since they come out. If they start blockers when that stage two puberty kicks in, it just holds things off. So myself, I'm six foot three. I'm a very big person. If I was able to go and have the ability to do this when I was younger, I wouldn't be bullied on trains and public transport. I wouldn't be spat on. I wouldn't be called out. I, I probably wouldn't have to do these sorts of things. The life of a transgender person, especially a transgender woman, is very difficult because people have these stereotypes and ideas of who and what we are. And so the youth have a chance to actually live quite a normalized life. So they'll start these blockers maybe around 13 and 14, but it holds things off for them to kind of figure things out. And then when they make the decision with their parents, with their general practitioner, which is your, your doctor, and with the psychologist, psychiatrist, then they take the next steps and they'll start hormone therapy. Um, when they do that, they will save material, whether they're eggs or whether they're sperm, and they'll put them away and freeze them. So when they want to have children, they can have them. Uh, at this point, no surgeries are, are happening until they're 18. They can't do anything like that until they're 18. Blockers are reversible hormones aren't. So half the time when they're starting hormones, it's usually like 16 years old, right? So, but by the time they've done that, you have to understand that these kids have already gone through all of this therapy and they know who they are way more than you do as even now as an adult, because they've had time to work through that and understand that. Um, it's just the stereotypes that we hear. So when you hear somebody coming out, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, like Jim, like when you found out that I was you know, Danny, you're like, wait a minute, who the what the fuck, Michelle? Who's Michelle? You know, like it's it's it throws you for a for a sixer, and so that's why it's so jarring. Right, English, what is throwing for a sixer? Oh, uh, just throws you off, just completely throws you off. Okay, I forget, I've been here too long. <laughs> Silly Aussie. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let me let me take a step back because there's a lot of controversy in the U.S. about how young is too young. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of people coming out right now, uh, no pun intended, talking about peer contagion. Have you heard of this? Peer contagion, no. Okay, so there was a study done, and there's a series of, you know, like things that will happen in someone's desire to transition. And I can't speak to that. You could. I'm just... You know, this is just a little bit of the research that I've done, but there are, for lack of a better term, pods of people. In other words, there's eight girlfriends 
and all of a sudden seven of them identify as trans men just all of a sudden i can and, stop you i can stop you on that one so okay. what's happening jim is we didn't have the internet obviously growing up right so here i was a young boy I had to deal with my stepdad, who was quite abusive and very misogynistic. Um, I had to deal with a mom who was very much um, the housewife who basically backed up this misogynistic, abusive man. I had friends who were very hyper-masculine as well within the schoolyard. So I had to hide myself. I couldn't find anybody else like me. I couldn't find my tribe. There was nobody else I could talk to. It was an internal personal hell for a very long time until I really came out. So the thing is, these kids are connected globally to each other. So they're able to find other kids in their schoolyard. They're able to go and have, say, a pride group. They're able to go and have groups so they can come together. So it looks like they're creating a cluster, a cluster of friends. But what's happening is they're actually coming together to support one another within this space. So same thing is down here. You see groups of them all coming together. They might be in the same suburb or the neighboring suburbs, but they come together and they work together on this and support each other because sometimes parents don't support, parents kick them out, they become homeless. Um, they just work through it and help each other. We didn't have that. So it looks like a cluster, but it's not. But also kids today also understand and challenge the difference between sex and gender. Sex is what's between your legs. So sex is the things like my boobs, your cock, whatever the fuck you want to call, you know, those sorts of things. That's your sex. The things are gender. show, Michelle. Oh, come on. <laughs> but when it comes to gender, right? So if society said to you right now that you should have long hair, have a fully shaved face, makeup, and a dress because you're a man, then that's what you would do because society says that's what your gender is. That's how you should express your gender. Society says to me that I should express my gender as a woman, no different than the way you look right now, Jim, then that's what I would do because look at over the, over the centuries, it's how we expressed ourselves was different. You know, men wore, wore frilly laces and dresses and stuff like that as well. So, um, but we've become so hardwired as to what is a man and what is a woman that when we start deviating from that, we, we freak out. So the kids themselves are like, well, what is gender? Like, how can I express myself? And so just queer identities as a whole make people think that they're transitioning. So, so let me acknowledge that, and that does make a lot of sense. But yep. what about when it is... Uh, I want to be sensitive to what I'm saying, okay. but no, what okay. about when it is a fad or all of a sudden it's, you know, right now trans is getting a lot of attention. When we spoke five years ago, you talked about the disparities and the amount yeah. of suppression and discrimination and all those things that happened in the trans community. And, and I'm going to acknowledge, as I'm sure you will, that it's still, that it's still happening. The murder rate in the U.S. Much, 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 much lower degree in 2021 in the United States than it was in 2016. Actually, the murder rates and violence towards trans people, primarily trans people of color, is still rising. It's not coming back down or plateauing. Okay. Statistic I didn't know. I, I would say that 
then let me t speak to what I do know. There is a ton more education. Uh, education is starting at a younger age. My son goes to a very prominent school district and they begin talking um, about transgender in the second grade uh, at his school and they educate. And it was very controversial when it came out. And I happen to be a huge supporter of education because what I don't want is children being confused about what they're seeing because when they're confused about what they're seeing, they become, what's the right word? They're not accepting. They're not understanding. If they, the, the, the little human brain tries to make sense of things. Right. And if it can't, then they're confused. And I'm really a big fan of making sure kids are educated on what they're going to see. And it's important um, they do at that young age because someone like me walking around or just living my life or even just dating, you know, it makes it so much easier um, that there is that acceptance because half the time when people learn or even see anything about trans people, it's from a horror movie or from porn. And that's really sad. What, what was that last word? Porn. Let me look that up. I don't know what that is. Hold on. <laughs> I know. None of the, not, I mean, it's, it's a strange word, isn't it? As soon as I typed in P, it came up in my search history. Go figure. No, I'm kidding. Kidding slash not probably. But, also, anyway. is, but the thing is, is, because we aren't normalizing it, right? So being a bisexual woman, if I go to date a woman or if I go to date a man, it's still a secret. It's the bad taboo and, and the men don't want to be seen as gay because Oh, well, you know, I, I, I'm only interested in this as just a bit of, I was just curious. And so then it creates that violence. It creates that misunderstanding and that self-hate because I don't like, you know, myself because I did this. You know, there was still laws down in certain states here in Australia that had a self-defense law that said if, you discovered that there were trans after the fact, or there was someone who was gay you had sex with, um, then you could do a self-defense clause saying that if I killed them is because it was out of self-defense, even though, because I, because I may have killed them because I had self-hate because of it. So when we have an early age of understanding that some people do this, some people live this life and they go through this transition because they get the support they need. Um, kids can't just go and say tomorrow go, I'm just going to go and transition because it's cool. Um, they'll be seeing a psychologist, a psychiatrist, working with the parents, seeing a GP. It's a lot. It's not something you can just go and do overnight. Trust me. This this was a this was a long, long process. Yeah. Right. So there, thank there's you for a clarifying that because I personally wasn't aware of that. I thought it was just something they went and you started, but it's mm -hmm. it sounds like there's there's so many levels of for lack of a better word, intervention that by the time they They're get through it. They're supposed to be. There isn't always though. When it comes, always to, when it comes to kids, intervention. When it comes to kids, definitely. They, they, so they work with your GP and everything. There is some legislation right now being battled out in the state of Texas that, uh, and again, this is secondhand. I haven't researched it to look at the particulars, but my understanding mm -hmm. is that Children as early as two years old can be given hormone blockers at the parents' request or discretion in the state of Texas. 
and they're trying to overturn or stop that legislation from going through. That is proposed. Hormones, hormone blockers won't do anything until unless you've hit stage two uh, puberty. So they want that. That's 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 horseshit. It's it would actually it's nothing. Hmm. Um, the when you start that stage two of when say the gonads go to the next stage, like of size, when they drop at a certain point, then you would in, in, you'd administer blockers, and you're talking like ages 12 and 13. So you wouldn't give puberty blockers okay. to a two-year-old because they don't start puberty that young. But that if, makes sense. Say, if a, if a four-year-old went and said, I identify as a girl, then the, the parents would watch carefully and see what they're doing. It's not about them playing with dolls. It's not about them playing with pink. It's not about whatever. It's about how they identify and how they're playing and how they're they're drawing and how they see themselves in the mirror. Um, and then, but a lot of times it isn't, you know, I've seen everything from very religious church going families who are very religious and very anti for it. And their child is playing up in this. And then by the time they're like six and seven, they look down and go, I don't feel right. This isn't aligning very well. And the conversations behind closed doors are very full on. And so, but what you see as the outside as a spectator is like overnight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the, the law that was proposed would actually suspend a doctor's license for prescribing hormone blockers to anyone under the age of 18. Hormone blockers that's bad. or that's bad. hormones. It, it did not pass, just so you know. Yeah, good. It did, good. It did not pass. But let me just switch a little bit. 60 Minutes, and I'm not a big fan of their reporting over the last few years. I don't always yeah. feel it's accurate, but they did a really good article, or I guess story is the right thing, about a month ago. And uh, it was done by Leslie Stahl. And she talked to a couple of uh, trans people. I think, is that the right way to say it? Because yep. I think there was men and women. Okay. And one of the trans men was able to go in to a doctor and in her words, I'm quoting now, she said, yeah, being a woman is just not working out for me. And that was the extent of what was required to go on estrogen blockers. It was what was required to have her get a double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And after about six months of trying to live as a man, she goes, yeah, I just... Being a woman wasn't working out for me, but I'm not a man. So in the space of under one year, she transitioned and detransitioned, which I understand is about 14% of those that transition attempt to detransition is just quick Google search, probably wrong. There's like 8 million results. But what are your, I guess, I'm looking for words of wisdom because hopefully our audience is diverse. I want to share this interview separate because there's a lot of people that I think are struggling with their yeah. uh, gender identity, more people yeah. than ever in the past. And a lot of it, Michelle, is because of people like you that are raising awareness. Yeah. And it's not that they're struggling with their gender identity because of the awareness, it's their, that they're recognizing what their struggle is 
because of the awareness. They've always struggled, or they would have struggled. So what do you say to the young men and women that are struggling with understanding what's going on with them, want to start these procedures and processes, but we don't want another situation like what Leslie Stahl reported on, where somebody transitions erroneously, if that's the right term, uh, just because they're struggling with who they are as a person, not their gender. So what, what safeguards or what recommendations do you have to those young people uh, and just people in general that are going through this to make sure that they make the right choices for them? Because yours was a 20 plus year decision. Yep. All right. So first off, there's a lot in that, Jim. Um, first off, people who detransition, I've only met one person ever who's detransitioned. And even then, they still identify as trans privately. Okay. So people who detransition is like less than 1% of a community that's 2% of the wider population. So in, when people detransition, look, the first year of transition, you are basically tearing yourself apart like a, as a human being and putting yourself back together. And you're figuring out the pieces that you need to keep in order to go forward. Like you are really, you are breaking down everything down to the crust of yourself. And that's a hard time. That first year you either get through it, sometimes you might commit suicide um, or attempt, or you may turn around because whatever. I almost turned back around myself because it was so difficult. And the reasons were, it's not because I, not because I struggled with my identity. I knew who I was, but I couldn't find work. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, nobody would support me. I was being turned away. I was being spat on. I was being shoved. I was being attacked. I was getting all of this. So while I'm finishing speaking in front of a known football club, a professional league football club, I leave this grand Hyatt place that I'm at. I'd get on public transport to go home and I've got people attacking me and spitting on me. Right? So I was going from, you know, like this, like this. So it has not been an easy journey. Um, so when you hear these stories where they go through the detransition and they talk about the person's regretting stuff, um, that's, that is, that is the media really jumping on that to really attack trans identities as a whole. Look, if, if we had better acceptance and we had things like, you know, certain laws, like back in June last year, that it was finally put through that you couldn't be discriminated for your gender identity within the workplace. I could have been dismissed in the workplace just for being transgender saying, it's not a cultural fit within the workplace. Here's your walking papers. This is right is to that work. A, was that in Australia you were talking about? Is that in the US? Yeah. Okay. Right. Is that federal? Uh, state by state. Now it's federal. Awesome. So that passed through. That passed. I think that's federally. great. Yeah, that passed federally back in June. So you can imagine how much that impacts your identity of who you are because you can't even get a house. You can't get. You can't even get a home or to, to put a roof over your head. You can't get to work. You can't. You're disowned by family. Uh, you know, Jim. My mom. My mom said, "What an effing waste! I should have aborted you." That's hmm. what Debbie said for me transitioning. So you can imagine having that weight of you on as you're going through that. So my advice to the people who actually have parents who are, are not supportive or parents are, you, if you are a parent who have, who's a kid who's talking about this, listen to them. 
be there for them. You may not support it, but just listen to them. If you have a trans person within your tribe, your family, your, your community, you know, do your best to support them. You know, Jim, I could see you being a great role model for a young trans man who wants to learn just to kick the footy or learn to shave, you know, and just be a, one of the guys. You know, that's the kind of thing that I they don't, I don't shave really well, actually. I, I know, right? And it's gray and silver. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. Like, you know, they we, we need to to help be a community again. For And these kids are lost. But even these adults, Jim, like myself, you know, when I came in town back in 2017 and you and I sat down having lunch, like that doesn't happen very often. I loved that. That was one of the, the best highlights of the entire trip was hanging out there at NextCore and coming to – to have lunch and just catch up, you know, just being my full self. And, you know, I walked out with my cup full. It was, it was really good, but many people don't have that opportunity. So those who are going through transition, be kind to yourself. If you have somebody within your family or your wider community, just give them the time of day. Just listen, have, listen to what they're telling you of how they feel. Everyone feels different with this. Everyone has a different way of describing this. You know, if I just try to describe pain that I feel, Jim, you'd probably describe it differently and Larry would probably describe it differently. And that's why it seems so different and so weird with all of this. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just wanna, I mean, I've never met you, but I really admire you and oh, thank, you. thank you for your bravery and your courage to be who you are. And I probably know people right now that are going through maybe some of the stuff that you've been through and I and they're hiding it for obvious reasons. And I just hope and wish that if there's one thing people will take from this and that's just, if they can be just a little bit more accepting, a little bit more loving, if there's people that don't look like you or don't act like you, but are, are doing it, not with the intention of hurting everybody, but just just getting into their own alignment of who they are as a body, as a spirit, as a being. Like, let, let's support the diversity and the beauty of people. Let's not be afraid of that. So um, I can't imagine the courage that you have. Like, it, it, I, I can't even begin to think about what it's taken, you know, how, how you've had to, like, resurrect that strength from within you to be who you are but it's amazing so thank you thank i really you. every time i listen to you and i look at my life and my issues and my problems they, they are like nothing compared to what you've gone through or what other people like yourself have gone through i can't i can't even begin to think of what it would be like to live in that darkness and to live in that silence for the number of years that you've had to live in that darkness and silence. Yeah, it really is a, a, an internal personal hell. And it, yes. so many people, when people come out, when people come out, whether they're gay, whether they're bi, whether they're trans, whether they're whatever, it is your own personal hell yeah. because it's society that that um, is the devil. I mean, let's be mm -hmm. honest, they're the ones judging you in that moment. Um, you know what, I may not be the prettiest, I, I'm not worried about, how my face looks. I'm not worried about um, whether I, I pass or anything like that as we, as we like to call it. I'm not worried about changing my voice. I'm just being me, I'm just Michelle. And I think for myself being my raw self and not worrying about any of that sort of stuff, I'm not subscribing to the bullshit like most women feel they need to at 40 mm -hmm. uh, 
try to compete with a 26 year old woman. I can't, I'm not going to, you know, I still like fried chicken. I don't give a shit. So <laughs> but I, I'm here to take, you know, kick some ass and take some names and, and, and I'll do every opportunity I can. Like right now it's, uh, you know, 12, 13 AM here in Australia doing this interview with you all, you know, every opportunity I can to, to, to bring some positivity and, and bring a positive voice to all this. I, I'll do it. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. So we only have time for a little bit more and I want to just, I want to, I want to cover just a couple more quick things sure. really quickly. Um, number one, I want to echo what Larry said and just thank you for your transparency. <laughs> no pun intended. Right? Uh -huh. So, uh, but for being so open with your emotions and your feelings and what you've gone through, not just in this interview, but over the time that I've known you as Michelle. Um, and, you know, Larry talked about being in the darkness. And I have to say that you've got a pretty broad spotlight that's eliminating that darkness for a lot of people. So kudos and props to you for that, by the way. Um, I also want to just touch on where these individuals, regardless of their age, might be able to go to plug in to their community, whether they realize it's their community or not. One of the things that Larry and I talk about, we have a philosophy, kind of a, a guide to living a more fulfilled life. And it's kind of the 10 things that you should be focused on day in and day out. And one of those is connections. Yeah. And connections are so vitally important because when you feel like you're in the dark, someone else probably has a light that's shining. How do they get in touch with someone, something, or or you maybe? Just maybe you can direct them, but they can, where do they, they can, go? They can. They can look me up. I mean, um, I'm all, most of the handles I use in social media are uh, Mish, so M-I-S-H, and then Shepard, S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D. Um, if you Google me, I've pretty much come up in quite a few things. I've also got a website, mishshepherd.com. Um, the, uh, when it keeps each not different not Australia or whatever the Australia no, thing just is. Com, just dot com. Um, the, um, when it comes to each different city, you know, you can go on online and, and for example, Facebook and most trans people exist primarily in Facebook. Um, there's different private groups. Talk to somebody at school. If you're if you're a young person, go see a counselor at school. They'll put you in touch with the right people. There'll be somebody there to talk to. Um, they they've got access to many different support networks that are that are around. Um, I know there's some support groups within in St. Louis itself. But I don't know them. I'd love to come into town and actually meet some of them. I'd love some of them to reach out to me and say hi. Um, uh, that's what we should do, Jim. Next time I'm in town, we'll, I'll take both of you. We'll go find some groups and go catch up and have, have a chat. We'll do some, some box pops and stuff over there. Um, but, um, but yeah, usually like your school, the workplace is kind of hard. Don't push things in the workplace. Go slow. Uh, speak to your GP or your, 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 your doctor directly to them. Um, those are some of the best places to go to. And the doctor will put you in touch with the right um, – a mental practitioner to help you out with what you're going through as well. Perfect. And That's then great. I, I want to just discuss the last thing that I want to go into is, and we touched on it a little bit, but the, the topic of hate. Yes. And I want to make a very broad, but precise 
statement, and that is there is no place anywhere, any religious organization, any affiliation of any sort for hate. And what I really like to see and what I've noticed lately is even very traditional religious organizations like the Catholic religion has become inclusive of uh, transgender and LGBTQ plus rights. They say it's, it's fine to be that way. Don't necessarily lay with a man or lay with them. But they, there is nobody right now that you should ever listen to that's advocating for hate. If they are, they're sending the wrong message. But yeah. I just, I wanna, like in the last couple of minutes that we have, I just want you to talk about the uh, challenges and, and what people in this community go through regarding hate, hate crimes, uh, those types of things. Some of the biggest is, is you know, um, and it's where I have a lot of fear when it comes to men because um, there's that internalized homophobia that say men who date trans women have because they don't want to be seen as gay, but they're attracted. There's a lot of men attracted to trans women. And, but the problem is, is they then want to destroy the thing that they love um, because of that self hate um, within the churches and stuff, um, you know, within the Catholic church, you know, I'm a godparent and I'm told I can't be a godparent anymore because I'm transgender. Um, so it's, uh, you know, things like public transport. We have a very big public transport network here in Melbourne. Um, but you know, we use that to go to work every day. I, I go on the, on the train and I go in 30 minutes and I come back, you know, back and forth. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, you know, people don't want to touch you, be near you. Uh, I've had people um, at, a, at a tram stop when I was in the city. I was trying to figure out where I was going on the map and a gentleman had knocked me over on purpose and he goes, get away from me. And I'm going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going. He goes, you want, you want dick, you go into the toilets. You know, I, I, you know, and, and I'm like, I'm like, whoa, look, I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going and nobody stopped. Nobody went to help me up. Um, I was on the ground and he spat on my face. Um, I've, um, oh God, I've had so many things said to me that, you know, trying to tell me how I'm not really a woman. I'm very careful how, what places I go into when it comes to women's spaces. Um, you know, there's a need to socialize as a woman and as a trans woman, you know, a lot of things around me too, that men doing the wrong thing, then flow into who I am as a woman because I've got lived experience as a man for 36 years. And so when I come in, there's that mistrust thinking I'm going to do stuff. So there are no stories. There are no real cases of trans people going to the toilets and taking cameras and trying to be inappropriate with women in toilets. Right. But the thing is, is there's men who are doing that, but men do this shit to go and they, they, they pretend and they try to get in the toilets and it makes it horrible for us. Um, so the Me Too thing is really bad at the moment with that because of that lived experience. Um, you know, it, it, when it comes to work, you know, we, we just want to have a job. And half the time, you know, I went from a 20-year career in IT, fixing laptops, servers, uh, printers, wiring petrol stations across Australia. And the only thing I could get work-wise was cleaning airplane cabins and, and landscape gardening nobody would give me a job in the career that I went. So all my skills were, were, were shot. Um, but I, I was able to get back into it after six months, 
but I was told my skills are no longer valid. So I had to shift industries. I had to shift into doing um, work as uh, working in diversity and inclusion, working in human resources. Um, I had to, you know, rebuild and reinvent my career because I couldn't get anybody to listen to me within this industry anymore. So, you know, there's just constant barriers and challenges or, you know, you see trans women who have children and they can't see their children anymore because they're, they're put as a, a, a seen as a, a deviant or a sexual pervert because I'm dressed the way that I am. Right. Um, they think that you're going to be a pedophile. They think you're going to do all these things when you're not right. There's, we're not that way, but you know, what, what one case or two cases you might hear maybe in the news, they try to, to, to exacerbate, then all of a sudden that one story, mm -hmm. all of a sudden every trans person's that way, because tell me, tell me last time you saw a positive trans story uh, or a story on television that actually showed, you know, maybe a modern family of, with, with trans person in it, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't exist. And I'd love to see that. Um, uh, and again, I try to live as an example uh, to many of these spaces show people that you can actually, you can actually do it. You can actually live your life and, and excel. That's fantastic. I appreciate your time here mm -hmm. today. Jerry, is there anything you yes. want to add for no. Michelle? Thank you. Awesome. Thank what you. a great example. I, Oh, you know what? I, I remember you receiving some sort of award from MTV or some sort of acknowledgement from MTV. Can, can you share what that is? Because I think I've misspoken about what that award was. Sure. So uh, down here, there was uh, an award I got for, um, I'm nominated for many different awards, but I, I, was, um, I was a winner of a small business award for a business I tried to run for um, finding pathways for LGBT people into the workplace. And I won't name the business because uh, I've parted ways with them since, um, but it was one of the first of its kind focusing on LGBT people primarily here, here in Australia. Uh, after that, because of the radio work and the other work I've done, I've been um, uh, shortlisted for MTV uh, presenter of the year or radio show uh, uh, with MTV a few times. I've been on uh, uh, different awards for, uh, you know, I think it was the Antenna Awards down here as well for uh, a show called Bent uh, TV uh, that, we, that I was doing presenting on as a host. Uh, so many different things I've, I'm getting uh, acknowledgements for, so. Awesome. Great. Very cool. Well, yeah. that is- Thank you for enlightening oh, us. Thank you. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's all we have for today. Um, I, I will say just a little sneak peek. Michelle is going to be featured on Changemakers 21. So stay tuned for that. She's one of the people enriching, enlightening, highlighting and improving her community uh, in the world where she lives and making an impact on the world that we all live in. So thanks so much for being with us, Michelle. Thank Please you. have me again anytime. I'm happy to break down these, these conversations anytime. Awesome. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.